Do you wonder where your food comes from? More and more people do. America's corn farmers work hard every day to grow a crop that you can be proud to serve your family. And they're doing it with an eye towards sustainability, caring for water, air, soil, and resources that fuel healthy families and more sustainable products. Take a look to find out how farmers in rural America work to make life better for all of us, from cities to their rural communities. Learn more at ncga.com. NCGA, a commitment to the future. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What's going on, DJ Nation? Kenny Kim here, bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the 3M Open. As usual, I am here with everyone's favorite Canadian, Tyler Tambaline. Tyler, how you doing this week? I'm doing pretty good, Kenny. It was a rough Sunday, which we'll get into, but uh, excited, man. This is you know, another great week we just got to have. We'll get to the recap in a second. Before we get to the recap, just want to remind everyone, this podcast presented by Roto-Grinders, you can head on over to rotogrinders.com slash DGEN. Get on for 10 bucks less per month or 50 bucks less annually for the package there. Find all my stuff over there, all the ownership, everything you can think of when it comes down to golf. And that whole package includes everything that they do uh, on the site besides NASCAR. So it's the core premium. You'll get everything you want to get over there. Rotogrinders.com slash DGEN. So, Kenny, we got to talk about it first off. Before we get into the ROM stuff, incredible, love it. Uh, you know, we've been on it for a while. But I think the big one is Kepka, your boy. He must have got into Bryson's head. Because Bryson just blew up and didn't even make the cut in the end. Yeah, we're, we're going to pour one out for Bryson on this one. He's messing with his money. He's, he didn't <laughs> make a cut. Because I, I don't know what Bryson was thinking on that 10. I mean, that was, that was literally like 10 cup-esque. Like, yeah. I don't understand what he was thinking. Like, being that close to the cut line and then going balls to the wall repeatedly, hitting the same shot like three times. Uh and then, and then, you know, going off, I have no problem with him asking for a second opinion on the ruling. I mean, you know, that's what you do. I mean, he, he, the, the, here's the thing: if you, if you, if you listen to what he said, and he was talking about that Phil Mickelson shot at the API last year. If you go down and look on YouTube and look at the video of that, it's not exactly the same because you know Phil Phil was in between two posts and one of those mesh fences, and like his ball was a little bit over that mesh fence and i guess that was the difference and 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 bryson's ball was in between was behind the two large posts and none of his ball was sticking out but i mean i probably would have still asked the same question because the thing is when phil hit that shot he actually hit it into the mesh and it didn't move anywhere so really the only way that i mean unless he hit it backwards the only way that could happen is if the majority of his ball was behind the OB line and they let him hit it out. Like go, go on YouTube and check it out. Because I've looked at the video um, of, of what Bryson was thinking of, but I think Bryson was a little bit different because his whole ball was behind those two posts with the front of that post. And I guess that's the rule. It has to be a little bit in, like, in front of that post to be still in bounds. Um, and so, but I, I got no problem with that. But the issue I had 
was why did he go for that shot so many times in a row? That was so stupid. I mean, I, I really don't know what was going on in his mind about that one. Maybe he was rattled. Uh, maybe. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't, you, we don't know what was in his He didn't have a press conference. And also, Kepka hasn't spoken since that tweet he had, which seems to me it, it's like, you know, PGA is like communist or something, making people like not talk about it. No questions were asked, uh, you know, during Bryson's interview before the tournament about that steroid thing. The only reason I could think of that happening is, is Jay Monahan telling the media, you know, you can't ask questions about this, which I'm, I'm, I'm just guessing here, but that's what it looked like to me, which I, I don't really like, you know what I'm saying? It's just, and I have no idea. I could be totally wrong, but I mean, you would think somebody in the media would have asked Bryson about that, about that tweet that Captain came out. It was like a 22 minute long press conference that Bryson had before the tournament happened. And no one even asked him a question about it, which I find incredibly odd. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And then kept going fine. He made the cut. And the thing it seemed like to me was he was making some excuses about his poor play. I mean, maybe his knee really is messed up or wasn't an excuse. Uh, we don't know because we don't have injury reports for golf. We don't know what's going on. I mean, when it comes down to it, Bryson made a stupid mistake doing that. Again, I have no problem with him questioning the ruling. I mean, like if you saw a couple of weeks ago with John Rahm, he had a ball that was maybe near a sprinkler pipe, probably not enough where it could affect his swing. But if you listen to it on the PGA Tour live broadcast, the, the rules official was like, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. And that's the thing about the rules here. We'll go into more rules. Tampa, what did you think about Bryson and Kepka first? And then we'll get into the rules part here coming up. Yeah, I just think it was what you said. To, to make a long story short, it's, yeah, I don't know why I did it. It was super Tin Cup-esque. I think, like you said, no problem asking for the second ruling. It was so, more of a, for him, I think it was a, at this moment, he knew he fucked up. He's trying to get some strokes back. So he's like, anything I can do to get that first ball back? You <laughs> yes. Know? How about yes. that? So uh -huh. that's all that was, in my opinion. I don't think there's anything more to talk about with it. it I, I love the, you know, back end from last week with your rant on it. And I thought it was solid. So for me, it was just funny to see it because he really kind of did get in his head, it looked like, or mess with his mind. I don't know why he went with that stuff, but, you know, he didn't make the cut. It is what it is. He'll be back. You know, I, I still played some of them. Like I said, I, I went back on it, so maybe that's why. But, um, you know, Kepka didn't do much over the weekend. And to his point, you mentioned with the, the knee stuff that he talked about, the MRI didn't really change. It's come back very similar. Sounds like maybe a surgery in the future is possible or whatever. Maybe it is just an excuse. Who knows? But, you know, the same thing with Jason Day. Right back, very ginger, going in and out of the cup. His second top 10 back-to-back, -back, and we'll get to how the rest of the tournament played out, like you said, in the ruling thing with John Rahm. But the big thing there was, you know, it's almost like they're making it up because on Thursday – or sorry, on Saturday after the round, Jay Day says to Amanda Balionis, yeah, you know, to be honest, after any bad shot, my back could just spasm. It's like, okay, so when, when the, you know, the Willet implosion happens on Sunday for a guy like Jason Day – is it, is it because of his back, right? Who knows? So we'll never know. Like you said, the, they're independent contractors. There's no need. We don't get an injury report because everybody would be on the damn thing, in my opinion. So I, I get why we don't get it. Uh, but back to golf reporting, just in general, like you said, it's already pretty bad because how would that question not be asked? I, I mean, that's just, to me, big news in the sense. I know it's just a tweet, but it's quite the serious allegation. And the one thing I will say you know, I say our boy, your boy, Brandel, Brandel Chambly, he did talk about it on the Golf Channel about steroid allegations and how people are making them. So he is the one that brought it to the forefront, which I was very surprised to see. And it was just a quick blurb of him going into it a little bit and saying, when that stuff's going to happen, you know, people are going to be called into question, but you don't hear, you're not going to hear much of it. I don't think, like you said, I'm not sure if there's other people involved, but in general, it's not something they want to be the forefront of the news when it comes to golf. It has to be a, a cover up, or at least, you know, it has to be Monaghan telling the media you can't ask questions about this there's no other reason why i mean these there's no other reason why the golf media wouldn't have asked bryson about this and they, they want to put it to bed and i think it makes it look worse really it, it sort of brings it out even more like these guys are just avoiding it like it's not real like what they did with baseball uh you know in, in the mid 90s everyone knew but no one said anything and, you know, and then when it all came crumbling down, it came crumbling down. So, I mean, that was weird. And when it comes to rules, that rule on Rom, that is so dumb. 
Like even Slugger White said, if he was one or two strokes, uh, you know, above second place, they probably wouldn't have called that penalty. What the fuck does that mean? How how does that work? I mean, you know, I mean, and there's so many. It's just a judgment call. I guess it's like other sports where they have judgment calls, like in the NFL when it comes to like play, uh, pass interference and stuff like that. But man, I mean, just like when he said that, and, and I was I was shocked. You know what I'm saying? And like, it's not like he improved his line. That's and and stuff like that. I don't think it's good for the game. At least growing the game. You had so many people out there watching this event. I mean, the ratings were sky high. Once again, of course, Tiger was in it. It probably helped. But like them having to deal with like that, it it sort of puts like a black mark on golf. I mean, like, do the casual fans really want to watch something like this where the rules are so subjective every week? Like, I, I, I don't know. And the thing is, like, the, I thought that rule changed last year when it was like the high def rule, right? Where they said that they couldn't use the TV coverage to make a ruling like that, uh, and and they did. I don't understand what's going on. I, it's it's hurtful. I think for the whole aspect for the growth of the game. Just let these guys play. I mean, Jesus, let these guys play is all I got to say about that. What do you think about the ROM rule? Yeah, stupid. Dumbest rule in history. I mean, like if you like you just said, every, if there's a camera on every single one all weekend. I, I had Fino in my lineup that was doing really well over the weekend. And on Saturday, he definitely did the same thing on camera, high de- whatever you want to call it, the high def rule. It was the exact same thing. Nothing came of it. The only reason it, it even got brought up is because it wasn't going to affect the final result. We've seen it happen with Dustin Johnson before. I know one time it did affect Dustin Johnson at the U.S. Open, but that was totally different. He grounded his club in what turned out to be a hazard. Like that's to me totally different. That's, you know, this is a rule for sure, but it's, it's so hard for them to inflict it on everybody. And the reason they're bringing it into play is because obviously when he's already won by five strokes or seven strokes or whatever it was, and then they go at the end and show him on high definition camera that look, the word tailor made moves slightly. What's he going to say? He's going to have, of course it was me. Guess what? It doesn't affect shit. So I'm going to take it and move on. He doesn't care. But if it's going on all week long, like we know it is, then what's the point? And, and the other point is I know pace of play is such a big factor. But in any other sport, when there's a rule, and this is why this is subjective, I get it, but you know, we know right away, if there's a tip in basketball that could decide something, because this could have decided something, it just happened to be the ROM was blowing them out. But if this is going to be the rule and how we have to play it, then it needs to be discussed right after it happens or as soon as they know. So on his walk to 17, the, they need to get to the bottom of it and say, by the way, here's the situation, now that means this. Not just for the fairness, but also I'd love to see it for the fact that now he has to know that he just got hit with two strokes. Maybe now his tee shot sails left and goes out of bounds because it's yeah. in his head. Like that, that can affect things like that. So I just hate how it's so subjective to the end of the actual tournament to then be like, by the way, John, I know you won by seven, so this won't matter, but we're going to dock you too. Okay. Look at the video. You got, you got to agree here, right? Yeah, I do. Okay. doesn't affect you becoming number one or winning. So who cares? Right. Right. But what it matters is that the rest of the tournament never got, no one else was subject, subjected to that situation and it didn't even have an end result to the tournament. So yeah, I know one guy lost a shitload of money. I know in showdown round four, the guy in first for 200,000 got dropped to second for 50 and lost 150,000 oh, on man. the adjustment. So it definitely affected people oh, in the gambling world. No one else is going to give a shit about that, but us. But my point is it, it does affect other things. I just wish it would be more, hardened stone versus just that one was on camera therefore we're going to call it just to make it kind of controversial we don't need that he was already going to win either way so just let it play out if that's the case and it did not help him the shot was incredible regardless the one thing i loved about that shot is when they showed the replay of the tiger one back in the day and it was you know a different spot on that green but the back further out of the rough high roll in just the same sort of thing and just awesome to see overall incredible tournament we got what we wanted some big names you know didn't even make it near the top you had guys like Palmer, Fitzpatrick, uh, Hughes, Norlander, a bunch of these guys, Nah, Zhang, all, all these names list up there. But Rom getting it done, and after so many times of people saying he can't get it done in these big boy events or not giving him credit, third youngest, fifth fastest, is it? I think, I think that's what it is, or it's the opposite way around. But he definitely was uh, you know, a sight to see and to watch the entire tournament when you look at how much he, he did it. And that two-stroke penalty was one thing. It was a bit of a Romplosion. On the back, you, you thought it might be coming, but it just never was. You know, he had it, in my opinion, the whole way. Nice to see. We both had him. I think the whole world had him, so I'm not going to get on a high horse about hitting 22 to 1 on Rom, but it was still good to have uh, on the week for me, and I know you had that bet as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, overall, I mean, it was it, what Rom did was incredible. You know, the second Spaniard, other than Seve, to be number one. 
uh, you know, super young age. I mean, he, he, I think he has 10 wins worldwide. I think, what, four of them are on the PGA Tour. I think he has six over, across the pond. I could be wrong about that. Uh, you know, and the way he played, I mean, Saturday was spectacular golf by him. Uh, he even said it could have been the best round he's ever played in his life. Um, and that's what put him in the lead. And, and it, was, it, was, it was a great showing by him. And, and even though he did sort of blow up a little bit at the end, he still kept his composure enough to, 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 to do what he needed to do to get that victory. And another thing about this past week was the, the, the hardness of the course, how difficult the course was. I, I like watching golfers struggle. We only get a handful of these events a year. But the one thing I will say is that when someone has a lead that much going into the final round, maybe you don't put the pin locations that difficult. You know, you know the course is going to play tough. You know what I'm saying? It's going to make it a little bit more harder for guys to try and catch up to them unless the guy in the lead has a spectacular explosion. But Ron could have shot 80 and been in a playoff. So, I, I, I mean, you know, it sort of made the final round not as interesting as it could have been. Uh, I think if they just made it just a touch easier, you know, uh, you know, I'm not going to complain too much because we only get these, these difficult events, uh, you know, maybe, maybe a quarter of the events a year. So, you know, it's nice seeing it. It's nice seeing these golfers actually struggle uh, out there a little bit, Uh, but it's sort of, I think sort of lost the luster on Sunday for me because you knew what Ron was going to win, especially with the people that were chasing him, Uh, you know, Finau, Palmer these these aren't like the biggest names you know but I mean you know then again if it was closer uh you know instead of like a four four shot lead or whatever if it was like one or two then it could have been a little bit more exciting you know and a lot of people could have moved up from you know farther back but I mean it was such a different it was so difficult and Ron deserved the win it was a great win it was nice uh getting a winner uh you know everyone had him like you said so you know the crazy thing is it wasn't my best week in dfs again it's it's been sort of a struggle uh since the restart started uh but i've won four or six weeks betting uh which is pretty nice you know uh, i i added this thing on my article where i do like these favorite bets and i've been adding i've been focusing more on like top 20 plays from like you know plus 250 to plus 500 i think you could find value there uh, when it comes down to it in the top 20. And I've been, you know, doing that. And the thing that killed me this week was, you know, I, Ram had already, I already figured Ram was going to win, but I had Danny Willett top 20 bet. That was my favorite bet of the week uh, in my article. And he was, he shot five over on the final five holes to, to drop out of it. So I've won that three of six weeks now, uh, you know, since I started it. But, you know, and then I had like a Corey Connors one a couple weeks ago where he finished 21st. Uh, and then I had uh, this one where Willett was inside the top 20 easy and then dropped five strokes on the last five. So it could have been a lot better uh, betting-wise these last few weeks. But at least I got that going for me. Uh, hopefully we can keep that going. Hopefully the DFS stuff starts popping back up here here shortly. How would you do last week? Yeah, it was a frustrating week. It was a good week overall, but a frustrating week. I, I know I appreciate everyone who reached out. I certainly didn't think I was winning the Millie. Like, that would have been the biggest long shot. I was sitting 13th overnight in the Millie Maker on Saturday. I was sitting first in the $100 Stinger with 50K up top. So I had oh, the, the quote-unquote 54-hole lead, if you want to call it that. But, I mean, everything can change on a Sunday. We know that. But it was a, a really nice squad. It had Willett, so I was with you on the pain there. With the uh, Willett day was just so bad. And like I said, I never expect to win the Millie, but you know, I wake up Sunday, Tiger's my first guy out. What's he do? 29 foot birdie bomb on the first. I'm like, okay, here we go. This is what I like to see. So I got Tiger in there. I got Reed. Reed starts popping off and taking off. I'm like, okay, this is something. Now we're starting to edge into it. And I'm thinking this is all right. And then Tiger, of course, you know, pretty much bails after a while. And it just doesn't go well from there because I've got Finau and Willett who both have their worst day, a 78 and an 82. And then I got Rom in there as well, who, you know, pretty much knew was winning. I was fine with that. Uh, And then the other guy was Jason Day, and he was sort of pulling through and and getting it done for me, and the rest just weren't. So uh, the sad part was I got fourth in the $100 for 7,500 just in that lineup. Uh, Had a bunch of lineups cash in the Stinger. And the problem was, though, is that, you know, what was frustrating was I lose by six points to second place. And so, and nobody above me had Willett or Day. And the only person that had Finau was also in first. So if Day and Willett basically hadn't done anything, I would have at least got second. And I hung on with them having such bad days and still came in fourth. That was the frustrating part because these are the types of weeks where 
you know, you can only put yourself in the position so many times and you, you know, you want to keep doing that and that's where you want to get lucky, but you, you know, probably like a bottom 10% outcome. So overall solid week, the, the bet on ROM nice too, as an extra bonus on top already had a profitable week on DraftKings. It's just, you know, you left, I left a lot of upside on the table, but now, you know, we get to go into this week and this is going to be wild because some of these guys that were 6,800, 6,900 back, you know, just a couple of weeks ago are now up in the nines and tens and all this stuff that you're, you know, you're getting to see. So Excited to get into this week, Kenny. Uh, what about the Listener League? What do we got for that? All right. So the Listener League winner this week was Precept24. I wonder if that's a golf ball reference. I used to play those crappy balls because, you know, I was broke back in the day and I used to play the Precepts. Uh, but Precept24 had 479.5 points. Um, he had Roy McElroy finish 32nd, another painful Sunday. Xander Schauffele, who's was an amazing comeback. I think he was like six over with like five holes left to play on Friday, made the cut on the number and jumped up to 13th place. By the time the week ended, he was 20.4% owned. John Rom, the winner, 28.4% owned solid ownership by the DJ nation there. Billy Horschel, a 13th, 8.27% owned. Uh, Matthew Wallace, who really had a solid week, a good Sunday too, uh, 3% owned, finished in fourth. And Norlander, who's just been balling lately, 7% owned, finished in sixth. What do you think? Yeah, I absolutely can't stand Norlander. We'll get to that though. But yeah, Roar, a solid overall lineup. The build was nice. With, you know, a lot, Not a lot of lineups that got there over the weekend. And this would have done quite well in all the GPPs. I did my review today on Roto-Grinders going through that. And uh, you know, th- not a lot of builds had the 10 K guy in it. Right. So for him to still have Rory in it, it was more a testament to who he's got at the bottom, right? Norlander hung in there, did his job on Sunday, had a great ball striking week again, or at least on Sunday from what I saw. Wallace was, you know, the premium premium setup for a course, the way the course turned out to be. If you think back to the players, when he made that run, uh, I think at the Honda as well, like he had one where it's just where the course bakes out firm, fast, fast greens, all that stuff. And and they just grind through it. and, And the wind does is no problem, you know, playing, a lot of his tournaments over in Europe. So that was the the extra good play there down at the bottom as far as being unique and setting it off. So shout out to Precept24. We'll see him. I do want to make a quick shout out to the guy in fifth, Spatteron. He reached out, uh, said he listens every week to us. He got first in the 333 on DK, one of them that, for 10K. And he said it's just a game changer for him and his wife. So shout out to Spatteron there in fifth as an honorable mention and a great week to him overall. But Precept will be joining us. He's already been, in, been added to the league for the year end where all the listener league winners will face off against each other. And then we'll see them in the three man this week with Kenny and I. All right. That sounds good. Why don't we get to uh, this week's tiers? First off, we have, I think Paul Casey all the way up to Dustin Johnson. Who you got this week, brother? No, no course preview this week. Oh, you know what? I totally forgot about that. I am so tired right now. I've been working this job, right? Okay. And, And I am not used to working 12 hour days. Like when I was in a re- when I worked in a restaurant, I worked for like six hours, four days a week. And now we're getting to like the nitty gritty of my job, right? Where, where you know, I, I'm a, I'm a super on a, uh, for a construction company, and we're we're building this office complex. And I am working. You know, we have about two weeks till we have to move uh, the company back in the, the move-in date. And basically, you know, my bonus could be anywhere from five figures to zero depending on if we finish in time. So like the stress that I'm feeling like in this job, I have never felt before, like in my life. And the thing is like, I can't drink during the week either because you know me, once I drink, I can't really stop. I mean, today I'm having a couple because of the podcast. So like I I lose that uh, during this thing. So basically like I'm going crazy right now trying to get this thing. Last four days I've worked, I've worked 12 hours a day, you know, trying to get this job done. So so mentally, I might be a little bit fatigued. But yes, let's do the course preview here first. Thank you for reminding me here at Tampa. All right, so the PGA Tour heads to Minnesota for the 3M Open from TPC Twin Cities. Last year was the first time the PGA Tour had played here. And it was pretty much a birdie fest. As the 12 golfers in the top 10 averaged 23 birdies or better, and all 12 of those golfers were minus 16 or better. The course has also been used for the senior tour in the past, and the old guys thrashed it every year with an average winning score of minus 21. The PGA adjusted the course a bit for the big boys, adding about 300 yards of length, uh, about 100 mature trees, and and cut down the fairway width. 
when the seniors played here, the fairway width average was around 40 yards. So expect the, fair, the fairways are definitely going to be a little bit less than that. But one thing I did notice is like it's the widest at 275 and at 350. So, you know, some of these bombers, they, they could have a slight advantage because it's like 36 yards width average uh, after the 350 yard mark uh, over the, um, you know, off the tee. I'd love to see Bryson uh, play this course again. Um, now, it's not surprising that the course played easy last year. The PGA Tour usually likes an easy setup when adding a new course into the rotation. Uh, Hollis Kavner is the 3M open executive he said uh, in a statement last year we don't want the hardest course on tour we want birdies and train wrecks bogeys are no fun now train wrecks are possible with 27 water hazards on the course but the leaders last year were able to avoid this as there are only three double bogeys or worse by the 12 golfers in the top 10 Expect a similar scoring tournament as last year with the winning score being somewhere around minus 20 unless the wind picks up and there are, you know, early projections where Friday and Saturday could get a little bit windy. Of course, you never know with this weather. So make sure you check the forecast before lineup lock. Uh, the Arnold Palmer designed TPC Twin Cities is a 74, 7,450 yard par 71, four par threes and three par fives. The length of the course is a bit deceiving since the course is played about a thousand feet above sea level. All shots will go a little bit further than normal, which will cut down the actual length of the course. The par fives are on the longer side, but golfers with above average length could reach in two due to the altitude giving the ball a bit more juice. The par threes will be some of the most difficult holes on the course. All but the par three fourth will play over 200 yards. The par fours vary in length with two under 400 yards, four between 400 and 450, and five between 450 and 502. Scoring will need to come on these par fours for golfers to be in contention. Of the 12 golfers in the top 10 last year, eight shot minus seven or better on the par fours, and only Sam Burns and Troy Merritt shot worse than minus five. Now, off the tee, golfers will see tree-lined fairways that are above average in width with fairway bunkers in the landing zones and water in play on many tee shots. A uh, stroke gain off the tee looks like it was a fairly important stat last year as eight of the 12 golfers in the top 10 gained at least 2.2 strokes off the tee. The trees aren't bunched up like we see on most East Coast parkland courses, and there is a lot of room between the edges of the fairway and the tree line. Golfers that miss the fairway will most likely just have to deal with two and a half inch rough, though if they miss wildly, they will have to deal with trees and a lot of water. On approaches, golfers will see greens that are above average in size. The greens are multi-tiered, surrounded by rough bunkers and water, with most having a runoff area only in the front of the greens. The grass on the greens is pure bent grass, and the stint meter rating should be around 12 to 12.5. Tambo, what are you looking for in golfers this week? Yeah, a few things come to mind right away. So what you just, everything you just mentioned, like you said, off the tee is a little bit more important here. Tee to green was, you know, pretty much the gist of it last year with the approach game. Around the green wasn't as important because, you know, think about all the, fair, all the greens that they're hitting already. So a little bit of putting comes into play or putting stuff that you wanna, might want to look at. But a few other things. Yeah, one, there's a lot of water. So I'm certainly glad Danny Willett's not here because he found a lot of water on Sunday, which crushed us both. But, uh, you know, that's one thing to remember. Like you said, you could get into holes like that. So you are going to want to watch a little bit on guys that you're picking as far as, you know, approach proximity, things like that, that they can really either can do it or have been doing it. And, and we'll get into the, the names, but then the other thing too, is there's a lot of withdrawals already too. So just want to make note of that before we get into it, like Brendan Todd's out, Kevin Tway just got announced out, Jason Kokrak's out, you know, there's going to be guys in your pool that you're going to see and, and DK will eventually mark them, but it's making this field, you know, get even worse if you want to call it that as far as overall, strength and it's not that strong of a field so still going to be looking at it kind of in a sense of last week where you know you'll see some of these names that you're like what are they doing at this price but it's just because the field is that bad you know quote unquote bad for I mean they're all good golfers the professionals but the idea of what we just saw versus now you have to remember that and adjust for it when you're building your lineup so I mean that's the overall gist of it Kenny but I think we can get right into the tiers all right, so like I said before, before I made my dumb mistake, because mentally I am stupid right now, uh, we're going to start in the 10K range, Paul Casey, all the way up to Dustin Johnson. How you going? Yeah, I like the guys at the bottom more. So I'm, I'm on Fleetwood. I'm on Casey. I think everyone will be on Fleetwood, you know, first chance to get back at them. I know, you know, these lately, these Instagram posts have, you know, been stuff people get all over. And with Finau posting, 
his 58 or 59 or whatever it was, and then coming out and looking pretty good. And then I saw that uh, Fleetwood's caddy posted on Instagram that he played Shinnecock Hills and shot a, and Fleetwood shot a 64. So again, stupid narrative, not going to matter in the sense of that. I just know, you know, Fleetwood, ball striker, I think it's a fine spot. We had this sort of same situation uh, before the restart at API when not everyone wanted to really get on Hatton and then Hatton went out because he doesn't win on the PGA Tour and then Hatton went out and got it done. Uh, you know, everyone wants to get on. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. And now during the Tempur-Pedic Summer of Sleep, all Tempur-Pedic mattresses are on sale with savings up to $500 on adjustable sets. Get your best sleep all night, every night. Learn more at TempurPedic.com. Rom for not wanting to go win these big boy events. And he, he goes and gets it done. Uh, it could be time for Fleetwood, right? 10-5. Don't mind it there. Like Casey already. You know, Casey was one bad hole and it was a really bad hole. So, uh, you know, you do have to take that into consideration a little bit, but I'm more willing to let that go based on a single hole that caused it to happen. Same as if Bryson had been here. There'd be no way to not go back on Bryson. Funny enough, the other guy that I like in this upper range is the other guy we're going to have to forgive if you're going to, and I will, is Mr. 80-80, and that's Dustin Johnson. He went 80 on Thursday, 80 on Friday, you know, said fuck it a few times, and he got out of there. But now we go to a course that's totally different setup, a lot easier. I think it could be, a, you know, an easy bounce back spot for him. You had all the stats listed last week for the bounce back stats for him. Maybe it's just a week behind. But I, I don't think a lot of people will go up here and play the Bash Brothers. I definitely think Kepka will get left alone because of the knee comments and the results. I think Finau will go a little bit overlooked. So if you had to pick, you know, one more GPP flyer, if you were not going to play DJ, you could go Finau. But I like DJ, Fleetwood, and Casey. What about yourself? Uh, Dustin Johnson's my favorite play on the board. I had 50% of him last week, and he literally crushed me. You saw, like you said, 80-80. He destroyed me. But I think Justin Ray had a stat coming um, um, about Dustin Johnson where three of his wins – uh, in the last, I don't know, five, six years, have come after a missed cut. And the thing about Dustin Johnson is, like, he doesn't care. Like, I, you know, like, I think that's one of the best things about him. Like, he can go out there, shoot 80-80, and come back next week and win pretty easily and not even, you know, miss a beat. I, I, that's just the way I think his game is. And I think one mistake that maybe last week was, you know, DJ's a pretty quick player, and he was behind Bryson and Cantley, you know, the first two days. Um so, you know, being behind that group, you know, you saw Justin Thomas get a little bit angry about how slow they were playing as well. Um, so that, that could have had something to do with it where he was like, forget it. I don't really care. This course is playing too hard. I'm just going to mail it in. And I don't think it's going to happen this week. It's going to be an easier course. Uh, you know, he can pound it there. He's good with his longer irons. I, I, Dustin Johnson is my favorite play. Uh, probably on the board. I'm probably going to be the high. He's probably going to be my highest owned once again. And if you look at like the strength of this field, he is leaps and bounds better than everyone else. I mean, it's not a major. So Kepka's not in it plus his injury and everyone else is literally a couple of tears behind Dustin Johnson. I think in my opinion, right. um, especially after what happened with, with his comeback win, you know, after playing a little bit down, coming back and winning a couple weeks ago. Um, and, I, and I'm going to go with my first cash game cornerstone here. Uh, it's going to be Paul Casey at $10,100. You know, the, the most important stats, I think, in this course is going to be off the tee and approach. Probably approach first and then off the tee. And if you look, I mean, if you look in the past 100 rounds, 50 rounds, 24 rounds, 12 rounds, Casey's in like the top five, the top ten in both those stats if from all those different, uh, you know, lengths of time. Like, he is just uh, probably one of the best – probably the best ball striker one of the best ball strikers in this field. And I don't see him missing a cut in this type of event. Now I could have just given him a kiss of death on that, but we will see, but you know, I'm going to go ahead and start with Paul Casey. I also do like, you know, he's pretty good from 175 to 200. Uh, you know, those are going to be a lot of approaches there. Plus 200 plus because of all the longer par threes is where you're going to see it. So um, I, Casey's going to be my first cash game cornerstone I'm not sure I'm going to play anyone else in this 10K range. If I do, it'll be Fleetwood. But as of now, I am not sure uh, if I will. 
Uh, I'm going to play DJ and, and and Casey will be cash. And of course, you know, I go light in GPPs and cash. So that means I'll probably go heavy in the 9K and 8K range. And I'll go with my second cash game cornerstone in this 9K range. It's going to be Lucas Glover at $9,400. Uh, again, a ball iron game, great off the tee top 20, uh, usually in this field last 24 rounds or so, basically since the break. Uh, came back tee to green. He's second in the field. Last 24 rounds in this field. Tons of birdies. Uh, you know. So I, you know, and last week he was doing pretty well until the final day. Um, so I'm going back to the well with Glover, and I like this bottom range in this 9K range. I play Russell Henley. I think the the worry I have about Henley is how popular he's going to be. I mean, I, do you really want to play a chalk Henry, uh, Russell Henley? Uh, maybe not. But the thing is, like. He's been striking the ball so well. Uh, first in strokes gained tee to green in the last 24 rounds. He's been really good on par four scoring. And like I said, in my opinion, par four scoring is going to be very, very important this week. And he's fifth in the field in the last 24 rounds. So I like Russell Henley and I like Harris English uh, in this range. Again, another guy who's been doing really well on par fours. Uh, iron play also solid. Good on longer par fours. You'll get about five par fours from 450 to 500 yards. He's solid in that range. So I like those guys. Who do you like in the ninth range? Yeah, one, a couple more quick notes. One is, you know, we didn't talk about this, but, uh, you know, I'm, not, I'm never high on course history anyway, but just to remind everyone, obviously it's only the second year they played here. And with the top 25 priced guys on DraftKings, only 14 of them saw it. I say only, but only seven of those made the cut. So I just don't think that is going to come into a lot of the play for me. It's kind of what you're going through with some stats and stuff. And then the second thing is um, backing up for one second, like just overall roster construction for the week and thought process on that. We haven't got to the 8K range yet, but it's going to be extremely popular and peppered in there. So the reason I like more at the top, as I'm about to list my 9K guys, is because I think you can get builds that can use one or two of these guys up here, no problem, if not more, and then go and just drop right down because there's a, not a lot of difference between the guys, in my opinion, in the 7K range versus the 8, but we'll get there. But one last thing I was going to mention on Finau uh, as being you know a good GPP play up there is just that I think a lot of people will go off him after last week. He still had a pretty good week. Sunday was bad, but it was also the worst conditions. And if you think, you know, you mentioned this on Twitter, and that's why I want to you know, circle back for a second, is kind of taking the Bryson approach. Right. He was, you know, it started as like, maybe it's a joke. He's showing off his 200 plus mile per hour club head speed. Then he got interviewed and said, nah, like I'm trying to do some of this stuff. Like I, I didn't realize that I could pull this out of the bag and, and make this stuff happen. So he did dive into it a little bit. Look at the rounds he had the first three rounds. And now where, who would you want here? If he was here this week, you'd want Bryson. Like you said, that 350 mark, everything sets up well. And then you get all the stuff. He really had it going. He just couldn't make some putts down the stretch. And he still made some of them on Sunday that I would have been like, ah, normally I don't think Pina is going to make that. We stay on bent grass, you know, things like that. So I, I just wanted to rehash that. As far as the 9K range goes, I'm not big on Bubba. You know, I never really like Bubba in a sense because we either have a Bubba track, which this could be one, but then he seems to be chalk. Or you have, you know, courses where he's just not going to do well at or we haven't seen him do well at. So I, I don't like anything to do with Bubba. I don't care about Wolf going all the way up to 9,700. I know he's the former winner, but again, it's last year versus this year. It's not a big deal to me. I liked him more when he was 6,800 at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. And this field's definitely worse, so I get it. But I see some stuff added in there. I'm with you on the same three guys. The one that would I'd probably be the least on, so I like Henley a lot. I like English a lot. And then I'd put Glover as third, and only because I think as good as he's been, we liked him better at those value prices. And the one guy that you talk about not liking Henley chalk, the one I really wouldn't like would be Lucas Glover chalk. And think about Henley. The last time I remember a situation like this where he got talked about a little bit at least, or, or you can call it a lot, and people betting him or not liking that number was back in 2017 at the Shell Houston Open when he went on to win by three strokes. And everyone said, damn, kind of sense that happening. Uh, and even back to the Finau point, Finau's 14 to one. You know this is when he gets a second win, right? It just you just know it. This is how it works. You no might, one's gonna you bet. You might have talked me in the Finau. That makes a lot of sense, especially if he's gonna be low ownership. Uh, you you might have talked me in the Finau up there. Instead we'll of see. Fleetwood. Yeah. Um, want me to take it into the AK range, Kenny? You good Go with ahead that, there, brother? Yep. Yeah. So for, first thing out of the gate, I'm gonna bring up is uh, the Norlander situation. This is not just you know recency bias because of yesterday. I don't care about all that, but it's been the last couple of weeks that I've seen. You know, his ball striking has definitely been on. I, I get the stats. I see the numbers just like everybody else does. But man, if you just watch it, I don't know if it's just to me what I'm seeing, but like the chip ins, the 30 footers, the 20 footers that you just don't normally see. From this guy and I even followed him when he was on Corn Ferry Tour which he's back and forth you know things like that and, and to me 
I, I'm not loving him. And there's just so many other guys around here if that's going to be the case. So my first pivot would be Redmond over Norlander. If people don't want to pay up for Redmond, they're soured by last week when he didn't come through, whatever it might be. You could call Redmond a pivot off of EVR as well because I think EVR is going to get popular. But I do kind of like a little bit of EVR at 8,800. I don't mind it, but it seems like he's going to be extremely popular. So one of my favorite plays in this range would be Redmond. Um, you know, Sam Burns, another one, drop down to him off the tee game, gets a putter going, things like that. I don't mind him. Luke List, I like. And and then really the only other one here is Patrick Rogers and sort of a chase play. Been on him for a little bit now. The course does set up well for him. I think, you know, bomb it off, decent off the tee, can make some putts. Really been waiting a while to see him get up there and get a win. So I, I like those guys. And then the last one here, I'll give you, and I was going to do it in the next range because it's a pivot, but it's my second one would be Homa over Harmon. I know some people have been chasing Brian Harmon and trying to get him right, and he's got the putter, and he can get hot and all that stuff. And I think, uh, you know, again, I'm not really weighing last year as much, but he did come seventh here last year, and Homa's just kept burning everybody. But the price is right, 8000 another, you know, 18th hole fiasco where he misses by one, a few around the green shots that were just atrocious. But again, Memorial is not the same, or Mirfield Village, I should say, is not the same here as where we're at this week at the 3M Open as far as course setup. So I like Homa still at 8,000 at the bottom, especially over Harmon as my second pivot of the week. Yeah, Homa was probably my favorite GPP play in this range. Uh, I mean, the thing is, he's missing the cuts on the numbers. He's having, like you said, horrible 18th holes. It's one hole. But, like, if you look, at, you know, a lot of it has to do with poor punting. But if you look, like, his approach game's been solid. Uh, his his driver has been solid. He's been doing really well on par fours. Uh, T to green, he's third in his field in the last 24 rounds. I think this could be the bounce back week. And it's not like he has – I mean, he won earlier this year. Uh, this season so it's not like he can't do it again so I like Homa uh, a, a, a big a, a fair amount this week and I love his number uh, this week at 66 to 1 he's definitely going to be one of my favorite bets um, I, I, Norlander I don't know what to do with him because the thing is like you know you, you think he was doing what he was doing on easier courses and then he does he goes last week and does it on probably the most difficult course or conditions that they've seen this year uh, so, I mean, that's pretty solid work. Now, if he gets to be, you know, 15, 18% owned, then I might think about giving him the fade. But as of now, I, I think he's going to be uh, in in my horizon when it comes to being in my player pool. EVR, fifth in strokes gained T to green last week. I think he gained like almost nine strokes T to green last week. That's pretty solid with his good iron game. Really good on longer par. Really good from with his long irons. Like he's what, like uh, second in this field in proximity from 200 plus in the last 24 rounds. Uh, and there's going to be a ton of shots. If you count the par fives and you count the, uh, you know, and the par threes, he's, and if he goes for the par fives, that's about a third of all approach shots this week coming from 200 plus. And he's pretty damn good uh, with those longer irons. So I like EVR. I like list too, just like you. And I like Burns. I'm going to be peppering this range, like you said. Um, so uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but I, I, my favorite play is going to be home uh, in this range. Let's move to the seven K range. And I'll go ahead and do my last two cash game cornerstones. Think about it with a field like this, you're going to have to roster people in cash that you normally wouldn't roster. And both of these guys are two guys that I normally would not roster. First one, it's going to be Charlie Hoffman at $7,400. He actually ranked second in my model this week in the last 24 rounds. Uh, he's been getting a bunch of birdies. T to green has been really solid, crushing the par fives, um, you know, uh, he had a, I think, what did he finish seventh last time? Uh, he was out um, at the at the the pre memorial, uh, the work day. Um, I sort of, and he's had two top fifteens in his last five events. You count the one before the break, the Arnold Palmer. Uh, if you go even farther, he has three top fifteens in his last ten events. If you go down to the farmers, so you know that he can get up there on the leaderboard. So I do like, um, I do like. Uh, Hoffman, and this one's definitely one I normally don't play, but Richard Wierenski at $7,400. Now, if you look at his last 12 rounds here played recently, uh, the guy's just been crushing it tee to green, uh, especially with his approaches, uh, you know, uh, and really good 
he's been really good with his longer irons and really good on longer par fours, which you'll see of from par four efficiency from 450 to 500 yards. He's fifth in this field in the last 12 rounds. Proximity from 200 plus, he's seventh in the last 12 rounds. He's been getting a lot of drafting points, and he's made, if you look back, he's been somewhat consistent, making 11 of his last 14 cuts. So my cash game cornerstones for this week are going to be Paul Casey at uh, 10,100, Lucas Glover at 9,400, Charlie Hoffman at 7,400, Richie Wierenski at 7,400. Now, this leaves close to $16,000 left under the cap to fill out. You can go all the way up to the 9K range again if you want to fill out the rest of your cash line. I mean, I, and I went this way because you're going to have to pick guys that you normally wouldn't pick in cash games. So I decided to go with two of those guys instead of taking the easy route. Maybe that'll help me out this week. Maybe the karma will come back and I can get back on track with these cash game cornerstones. Other guys I do like in this range. I like Vegas. Uh, at $7,900. Yeah, his iron game isn't that great, but you see a course with easy high-scoring conditions where you can bomb it a little bit off the tee, and he both his wins are similar to that at, in Canada, where it was high-scoring. He still makes a lot of birdies, and he's been putting really well here recently, so maybe he can get hot with that flat stick again. Like, if you look back last year, uh, you know, I mean, it, a lot of it had to do with off the tee and approach, but you're looking at, like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven of those golfers, um, you know, that were in the top twelve, the top ten. Twelve of those golfers, seven of the twelve golfers in the top ten had three point three strokes or more gain putting, and I think like five of them had more than four point five strokes putting. And Vegas is, and, and of course, judging putting is going to be tough. But he, you know, he's been putting it pretty well here recently. I, I like Vegas. I like Sepp Straka up top. Uh, again, who's been playing pretty good golf, really good on par fours here recently, uh, pretty really good with his longer irons here recently. Like, you know, fourth in proximity from 175 to 200 in his last 12 rounds, 16th from proximity from 200 plus in his last 12 rounds. I like that. I'll play a little bit of Will Gordon up top as well. Uh, you know, we saw last week, uh, last year with Matthew Wolf, it was like his fourth event. Uh, he's coming off a couple of missed cuts and came in because, you know, he had the skill to do what he did. I mean, the guy was one of the best amateur players out there in college. And Will Gordon sort of fits that mold as well. A lot of birdies, very long off the tee. Uh, first and strokes gain off the tee in the last 12 rounds in this field. Really good with his longer irons. Who do you like in this upper 7K range, Tampa? Yeah. First off, I think you're Wierenski. Remember I told you last week not to play Merritt because it's like a GPP play in cash and he missed the cut. Yeah. That's yeah. I think you're a GP. I think your cash plays are incredible until you get to Wierenski. I love him. For, I got him for my GPP pool. Wait, but... He's made 11 of the last 14 cuts. I'm just telling that, you what that, I told that's pretty, yeah. that, that's pretty good. You know, pretty what, I, what I told you last week was that with Merritt and I was right. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. So... Well, Merritt was in it until he shot like nine over or some shit on fucking Friday, which killed me. And Hideki yeah, can had his, like, worst round ever, like, in his life. Like, looking back at the stats yeah. on that, like, literally, it was, like, one of the – Hideki's round two was literally, like, his second worst ball striking round of his career. <laughs> I, I, it could just be a curse. I don't know what's going on. I hear you. I got to razz you a little bit on these plays. I like them. Like you said, three out of four, I'm with you on. I really like the Hoffman play who you mentioned. I think that's a good call. I'm with you up top on Vegas. Well, let me ask you, Tambo. In this 7,500 and below range, who'd you play in cash? Yeah, I mean, you could go back to well with Kyle Stanley. You, you, no problem with really? him there at all. You, I mean, your he's, boys, made like, he's made like six cuts this year. Your, I don't your like boys, 18. Cameron Tringali is your boy. You could go back to him. Sam Ryder, who I like. Uh, you know, there's Ryder might guys. be one. I thought about Ryder. I definitely yeah, thought so about Ryder. I thought about uh, Ryder. On that note, on that note, Ryder is my final pivot off of Wyndham Clark because I'm already hearing a lot of the Wyndham Clark love out there with the, you know his result last year and you know big off the tee and he can get it done, all that sort of stuff. For, for me, um, the stuff with Ryder is just like you know overall ability in these, in these high-scoring events or, or low-scoring events, I should say, where you've got the – you know, stats to go with it, everything that goes, he was good at the work day. I'm just bringing across what I've seen recently and a guy that I'm normally on in the past, as you know. So uh, I'm bringing some of that across and at 7,300, I think he's a great play. Like I said, I'll go back to Stanley uh, Ventura is Wolf and Hovland's teammate. 
Maybe he comes out here and gets it done. He's got the game for it. Has been playing pretty good on the Corn Ferry Tour. He's right there. And I don't think a lot of these guys can be chalk. But I guess my point is, you know, back to that 8K range, I listed the guys I like, but I don't really love those constructions. And that's why I got so many guys here to fit up top. Like you said, Vegas, Straka, Will Gordon, who you mentioned, uh, Carlos Ortiz, another guy I really like. Ortiz is a guy you could look at. I like him at 7,700. Scott Stallings, 7,600. Brandon Grace, interesting note, I think 7,000 straight on FanDuel. That's a play to just to make everything else fit. Uh, he didn't make the cut last week, but he had some of the best uh, ball striking and tee to green approach numbers for the for the people that didn't make the cut. So I know it's only two rounds, but that was sort of in a little bit easier conditions. As you know, Saturday and Sunday were quite tough. And if he gets those sort of conditions here on the easier track, it, it could work out. So at 7,500, I don't mind him for the caliber, the name, and the recent ability. Uh, and then Hoffman, Stanley, Ryder, Ventura, I mentioned. At the bottom, I'll kick it off just because you didn't mention any guys down here yet. Uh, you Tringali, your boy, Tom Hoagie and Gooch. Gooch is a guy I really like. He stands out quite a bit for me at just 7,100. And then Adam Long and Chase Seifert to round it out. You go back to Seifert, I think, uh, not really on big price bumps, similar type feel. We talked Detroit Rocket Mortgage Classic being similar. I think the upside could be there again for a guy like him. And then once he gets through the cut, just needs to keep making the putts drop. So uh, I can go back to him at 7,000 as well. Yeah, I like Gooch a lot this week as well. He's probably one of my favorite plays down here below. I like Ventura. I like Ryder, uh, just like you were talking about. So we don't have to go over that again. Those are definitely some of the plays that I'm looking for down in this 7K range. And maybe a little bit of Chase Seifert, uh, whose iron play has been pretty strong and has been good with his longer uh, on longer par fours as well. Tita Green, he's been very strong as well. 12th in the field in his last 24 rounds. Um, so I, I like Seifert at 7K. If we go down to this 6K range. A couple of guys I like. I like Justin Hadley. Uh, this guy just, you know, he tends to have a lot of big numbers. But the thing about this course is, I mean, unless you hit it in the water, which, you know, he definitely could. But, you know, you, you, like I said, there's only three double bogeys or worse by the people in the top 12. So it's not like it's like a huge treacherous type of course as long as he avoids the water he should avoid the bigger number his iron play has been you know a, a pretty solid he's and he makes a ton of birdies like he's six in this field in the last 24 rounds and birdies a better game he's first in strokes game par five uh in the last 24 rounds in this field and you're going to get a good amount of scoring on the par fives you got to take advantage of those par fives and you still got to score on the par fours as well so i like Chesson hadley at 6,900, a good amount. And then uh, I lost my place. There we go. Uh, Other guys I do like in this, uh, I like Hudson Swafford at, what is he, 6,700. Again, really good with, uh, from 175 to 200, first in the field last 24 rounds. Really good on longer par fours. Iron game has been above average. Tita Green, top 25 in this field in the last 24 rounds. So I like Hudson Swafford. Uh, Other guys, a little bit of Nick Watney. Here down below, um, uh, I'm trying to find where's his price at. Uh, go ahead and keep going in the 6K range, and I'll go over my my other couple here in a second. For sure, we'll kick it back to you. I'm, I'm with you on Hadley there. That one makes sense. I think it could get a little bit popular. A couple of the other guys right at 6,900 that I like, though, or don't mind going back to. Obviously, you're going to have to take some punts here, like you said, and, and especially in GPPs, you're going to be going down in this range. So, Neesmith at 6,900, back to the well on him. Some of the people were all over and now might have soured on a little bit, but he fits it. Uh, Keith Mitchell, I think upside-wise, I know it's not Bermuda Greens, but at 6,900, you got an opportunity to go back to a guy with just talent, right? You're looking at, you know, Keith Mitchell, 6,900. I'm okay with that. And he didn't play horrible at the Memorial. It's just, you know, got tough over the weekend. So go back to him. Hudson Swafford, who you mentioned, I had targeted. Russell Knox, another name for cheap, 6,700. Has been pretty good last 50 rounds as far as approach goes. So I think that's, you know, something that's going to be needed and people won't really be on him down here. Bronson Burgoon, like him in a birdie fest. He's 6,600. Cameron Davis, another guy people were all over, going to sour on him because he missed the cut on the number a couple times. That's 6,500. Another guy you can go back to down there in a field like this. I think he's more than okay. People are going to talk about Thigala. This would be the spot to get on him. He was the amateur that everyone wanted to be on, missed a couple cuts, but now we get probably the easiest course he'll see yet. So you go back to him. Andrew Putnam, uh, 6,400 would be, just be a, a boomer bust play. Too much long-term talent from what we've seen versus, you know, uh, as of late. So that would just be a flyer that you take. Same with a guy like Sean Stefani down here. And then it's just a bunch of whatever you want to do, like uh, 6,200, Jonathan Bird and Zach Sucher. Th- those are two guys. Jamie Lovemark. Like, you know, I'm just throwing some names out there for you guys to make some lineups fit. 
But for me, that's really it, man. I, I don't got much more beyond the names that I mentioned down here. Maybe, maybe a little Tyler McCumber for some uh, namesake value. But other than that, not much for me. Who else do you got? Yeah, like I said, Watney, uh, you know, top 20 in strokes and approach, uh, you know, in the last 24 rounds in this field, pretty good on longer par fours. I like the Cam Davis, even though he's missed four cuts in a row. Uh, this is definitely a place where he can come in and bounce back uh, a little bit easier, of course, uh, to, to get those birdies going. Um, and I like Danny Lee here. Uh, you know, a guy who's won before at $6,700. He gets a lot of birdies, really good on par fours, good on longer par fours, 13th in strokes gain off the team in the last 24 rounds. Even though he doesn't have the length for it, he just hits a lot of fairways. Um, so I, I do like Danny Lee. Uh, I like that Bronx and Burgoon take uh, as well uh, in this lower range. All right, so let's move on to this week's betting segment, the one place where I've actually been okay. Uh, so who do you like this week for bets, Table? Yeah, I didn't want to bring up the ROM thing because, we, we, like I said, the whole world had it, but that's back-to-backs for my – I had four picks the week before at Morikawa and four picks, four picks last week, and ROM was the one of them. So yeah. going, back to the, going back to the six-pack, right, Before we go off, I, I'm thinking that's 11 winners that we've picked since the Open Championships so of 32 events. I think we've we've hit eleven or twelve winners in that yeah. time in our betting segment. That's pretty solid. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I know that we both are making the bets. I think I've I think I've had like seven or eight, and I think you've had three or four. Uh, you know, in that range. So uh, it, it's been we've been doing pretty damn well. Uh, hitting these yeah. outright. I think there's just so many, like, that's the thing, right? We don't keep track of the units and all that stuff. So I'm not going to sit there and run and tell about it or, be- or brag about it on, on Twitter or whatever, but there's so many people out there now that are betting and there's so much content out there that it's just like, just letting you guys know here because obviously you guys are tuned in listen every week we appreciate that obviously the support is great so it has been good to your point kenny i mean they can mix our cards up i would say at least if you're you you know are only picking a few if we're on the same guy it might be a good idea to get on it because that's something we're agreeing on so i don't know we don't talk about bets beforehand i'll give you my six and then we'll see where you stand i got henley first off this is disgusting this is the worst card you'll ever hear in your life but it's betting it's fun it's gambling i like it uh we're on a streak so henley 33 List, 50 with the each way, top five. Redmond, 50 with the each way, top five. Patrick Rogers, 66 with the each way. All the each ways are top five. I'm going to stop saying that. Sam Ryder, 90 with the each way. And Gooch, 110 with the each way. What you got? I got I'm going to the two favorites first. I got Dustin Johnson at 10 to 1. I'm going to bet him uh, this week. I, I'm going to do it because, I, like I said, he is the class of this field. He should win. Now, does that really ever happen in golf? Probably not that often, but a 10 to one, I'll take them. Uh, if it was like eight to one, seven to one, six to one, I'd probably avoid a 10 to one. Uh, at least it's double digits. I'll go ahead and take Dustin Johnson at 10 to one. Paul Casey at 22 to one. Uh, I'll have him as well. Then these are basically long shots the rest of the way. Vegas, 66 to one. Homa, 66 to one. Gooch, 100 to one. Hadley, 125 to one. Who do you got for your one and done? Yeah, one and done. I'm getting down to the nitty gritty here. So I might, I think this is the last of the segment and I should still have DJ. So I'm going to burn DJ and, and use him up and, and just be done with it. That's probably smart. I already used Dustin Johnson. So I'm going Paul Casey this week again. I'm using one of these studs. Yeah, I, I need the money. Listen, I should say this too. The segment strategy says don't burn them because the fact of, you know, I'm not going to win any segment money, so why not save them for the final segment? I, I get the concept. For me, though, I'm so far down in the money. And like you said, I actually think he can win. So sort of that's why I said my card is disgusting and I'm just betting those guys. That's why I'm just going to try and get the 1.2 million or 1.3 million, whatever it is, and just move on and not worry about getting it later when I think, like you said, class of the field should win, could win, and 10 to 1, that makes it all adds up. He'll be chalk, but that's why I'm using it. All right, so... Uh, anything else we got to talk about that, Tambo? No, I think that's good, man. All right. You can find me at gupscorner.com. My article is already out. I do my course preview stats to look for on Mondays, on Wednesdays. Uh, like I said, I will do uh, my favorite cash plays in every um, in every price range, 10K all the way down to 6K. And I also do uh, bets. And I, I've been doing this thing called my favorite bet of the week, like I said earlier and that's been doing pretty well it could have been a lot better if will it freaking held on and if Corey connor's didn't finish 21st instead of 20th but still three out of six not bad uh so you can find me there you can find me on twitter at kendo vt tambo 
Yeah, find me on Twitter as well, at Toteg and Tambo. If you guys don't follow me there, check it out. You can hit me up, DM there, whatever you want to do. It's just, they're open. You can find me. If you have questions, you don't want to ask them in a different way or mentions, you can send them across. Other than that, uh, rotogrinders.com. We talked about it at the top, rotogrinders.com slash DGEN. Head over there. It's 10 bucks off for the month, 50 bucks off for the year if you want to check it out. I got content there with uh, Notorious and STL Cards that's on Tuesdays. On Wednesdays, I do a show where I'm going through with Lineup HQ, the tool, how to build it. It's got ownership projections, actual projections for, for the golfers, and then sort of lineup construction as a whole and where I'm at on the Wednesday night. And then Saturday, I do a round four show, get ready for the showdown slate that's coming up on Sunday. So check me out. If you guys have any other questions, hit me up on Twitter at Toteg and Tambo. All right, that sounds good. The field isn't as strong as it has been so far this season, but we're DGENs. We're going to play it. We're going to try and do well. Let's win some motherfucking money. DGEN Nation. Do you wonder where your food comes from? More and more people do. America's corn farmers work hard every day to grow a crop that you can be proud to serve your family. And they're doing it with an eye towards sustainability, caring for water, air, soil, and resources that fuel healthy families and more sustainable products. Take a look to find out how farmers in rural America work to make life better for all of us, from cities to their rural communities. Learn more at ncga.com. NCGA, a commitment to the future. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new Filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at Filtry.com. Let's clear the air. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.